Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beck. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everyone. I am Christy, and I am joined by my colleague, Beck. We are from The Sleep Teacher. Hi, guys. And today we are here to chat to you all about the two to one nap transition. That's so much fun. Look at it. It is so much better when they go to one nap. It is so much better. Yes. That dreaded morning, 9 a.m. Like, oh, you've got to go to sleep. And it just gets so much harder to get in. So, yeah. I think you guys will like this one um, as much as you'll like saying goodbye to that that morning nap. Yep. Just like the third nap. Good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> What's been happening in your world this week, Beth? Uh, not too much. I'm just thinking about like the two to one, you know, you, you see your baby sort of growing up and I've got my youngest who is just turned two in May and I just think it's just such a cute age so with their fun. language. Like he is so cute, the things that he says and like my husband and I, I don't know if it's just us, but we don't like to correct, correct him because oh it's God. like no. so much cuter how he says it. Yeah. <laughs> even, even how do you like, she says things like, her did it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay, like, Mitch, don't say anything. I watch it. And like water for my youngest is blah. Yeah, he does it through the tongue. I've seen you show that on your stories and things for you. And I'm like, I, want some- I hope that you never say the word water. Like, how funny would it be if we all just like sat there and was like, hi, can I have a glass of blah, blah, blah? Yeah. <laughs> it is really good. It's so cute. Oh, it's so hard not to correct them when they're in it. And just like, I just wish you could stay like this forever. I remember like the girls used to always say things like, mine do it, mine do it. Yeah, yeah, and now he's and uh, now he's saying, "Cuddle me, mama. Cuddle me, mama. Cuddle me. I know it's so delicious. I love it. And I just know that it's gonna, you know, the weeks go on and they just start to speak more like humans from my humans. Yeah, but I do love this little stage of they're just so delicious. I just love two year olds. I know, so bloody cute. Even that little, that sense of independence, it's just outweighed by all their cuteness. Oh, mate. The sc- Sometimes. <laughs> the tantrums are just like for no, for just, you know, the, the good old, you got the wrong plate or something. Yeah. Or I put the wrong blur in the, in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive into all things two to one nap because I don't want to listen to Beck anymore. <laughs> okay, here we go. This one is a doozy. <laughs> it really is. So many things going on at this age. So why not throw in a nap transition as well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And the most burning question of them all, what age does mm. nap one drop? 
<laughs> yeah. If you have followed our question boxes along, you'd probably know that this question probably comes up every week and we always answer it because it's one of the most commonly asked ones. So we know you guys want to know. But look, more often than not, we definitely would see the two to one nap transition happen around that 14 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Look, 14 months is usually the youngest we would see it go and 18 months is definitely the later side of it. You do have those bubs that are going to fall either side and, you know, that's that's fine as well. But generally before sort of that 14, 13 month mark would be pretty rare to see a bub dropping off. I mean, yeah. one off instances are fine, but consistently not having a morning nap would be pretty early. But again, if working and having good night's sleep, great, you know. Yeah. And we definitely see a lot of, when we do put those question boxes up, we will get a lot of replies. Oh, well, my baby dropped it at 11 or 12 months or something. And that can definitely happen. And to be honest, I think like thinking back, I think Elkie dropped hers at around 12 months because I just thought she was ready for it. But then so did mine. You, there's First just one. those knock-on effects that you really want to be aware of. Like it, honestly, it is. If I can tell you one piece of advice, one takeaway for today, 12 months for 99% of babies is way too young. Like it really yeah. is. And we do see as well when perhaps, bubs are a little bit, you know, using a lot of things to induce sleep, external things, they do tend to drop naps a lot earlier. They seem very awake and just not wanting to go to sleep and fighting it and all that sort of thing. That can also mirror a bub who very much does need that nap, but just is struggling because as they get older, they start to resist those really heavy uh, interventions of, you know, what parents are doing to try and force that sleep on them. Yeah. There's the 12-month regression as well that comes along around the age where you all of a sudden assume that, yep, must be time to drop a nap. But there is so much going on developmentally at this age, whether it be, you know, taking steps, standing, learning to be verbal as well. So they're starting to say certain words. Like there is a lot going on. Their little minds are in overdrive. They've also got a little bit more stamina, so they're able to stay awake a little bit longer. So that may mean that they look like they're starting to fight their morning nap. But, you know, it might just be a matter of tweaking their awake window before the nap or also, you know, upping your game plan and going, okay, well, maybe we might try for it in the pram or the car this morning as opposed to the cot because they're starting to, yeah, just become a little stimulated in there and fight it a little bit more. Just doing whatever you can, I guess, to get that nap in as opposed to saying they don't need it anymore. Just mm-hmm. because they don't need it at their normal 9 or 9.30 doesn't mean they won't have it at 10 as opposed to just skipping it all together and stretching them out. Yeah. And, you know, at this age, even a 10 or 15 minute nap, if that's all they're going to have, like if they go to sleep, say in your arms or in the pram and they only have 10 minutes, that's okay. Sometimes they don't need that full 30 minutes. That's enough to get them through to their bigger lunchtime nap and keep that on track. Don't stress too much about having to have that 30 minutes. It's more so just trying to offer that opportunity for a nap and hoping that they sort of take it, whether it be in the cot, pram, car, carrier, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) All the the options. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It keeps the peace. Yeah. And I guess in terms of the fighting of the morning nap is definitely one of the common signs to look out for in terms of strike. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) mum. That's definitely one of the, yeah, the more common signs, which As we said, you wouldn't necessarily just say, okay, they're fighting that nap. I'm going to drop it. Like you can definitely try to push it out or have assisted naps. They may also start wanting the morning nap still. They're having the morning nap 
happily, but that then is impacting the lunch nap. And that's definitely a common sign we would see. And in that instance, it would probably be just a matter of either one, reducing down the morning nap or two, pushing the lunch nap out slightly. Mm. There is solutions as opposed to just dropping the nap. You can definitely, yeah, put a plan in place. Yeah. And that nap strike we were talking about, you know, typically does hang around that 12 month period. And what we tend to see is, yep, they might fight the nap, not take it for, you know, a couple of days or whatnot they'll pick it up again. So we always just want to keep offering that nap and don't assume after two or three days of it being a little bit harder that they don't need it anymore. So typically it comes back, you get a month or two of it being relatively easy again, and then these things start to happen with nap two or them really just fighting that morning sort of 9.30-ish nap as well. Yeah. And along with fighting the morning nap or shortening of the lunch nap or fighting the lunch nap as a result of having the morning nap, you could also potentially see periods of like fragmented night sleep. So those periods of wakefulness where your little one all of a sudden is like ready to party and wide awake, <laughs> like midnight. And then typically that early morning rise yeah. where it hasn't been the case prior. Yeah, where it's out of character for your child. Like just because yeah. your child's early rising at 11 months doesn't mean they're ready to, that's not going to solve your problem. Yeah. But we're talking again around like, you know, that 13, 14, 15 months of age. If you start to see these things happen, it could be a sign to, yeah, start working on reducing that morning nap down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, again, this is one of the huge reasons why we are advocates for that short, long routine. And like, look, we'll do another episode yeah, on this. This, 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 yeah, <laughs> this one deserves its own app. But the transition from two to one naps becomes so much easier if you're working off that short morning nap. Mm-hmm. Trying to essentially push out a long morning nap as opposed to reducing down a short morning nap is, yeah, it's a lot harder. And we do see a lot of kickback as a consequence of that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Around that sort of 10, 11, 12 month mark where they're used to having that longer morning, it can, you know, make tricky nap too and then falls into bedtime. And anyway, so we will discuss that in further detail, you know, soon. <laughs> We will. (laughs) Is your little one an amazing sleeper? You can pop them in the cot and they'll happily go to sleep unassisted, but there's still that one pain point you can't get on top of, whether it be transitioning from naps, early starts, fragmented night sleep, false starts, whatever it is, our quick fix consult is perfect for you and your family. We can go through your situation, identify what is causing that one little issue and put a plan in place and restore sleep to your house. All you have to do is go to our website, book in that 30-minute consult, and sleep is on its way. So with that short morning nap, like when it comes time to remove it, it's not something that we usually would recommend just dropping cold turkey. Like it's going to be a gradual process, something you're going to gradually phase out because they need to get used to A, less sleep, B, a long awake window in the morning. And also there's going to be days where Just because they've dropped that nap doesn't mean it's gone altogether. There's going to be that little bit of a transitional period that they'll play jump rope with that nap for some time. They might have two one day, one the next. And that's actually a really good sign that they're, you know, they're transitioning, they're adjusting well. So don't think that just because that nap's gone, that it's gone for good. You usually ever. (laughs) Yeah. And we will get to the stage that it'll go, but there is usually that little transitional period where. You play jump rope for a bit. Yeah. Mm. 
And for bubs that are used to having it assisted, like on the go, when they do get to that sort of, you know, 11, 12 month old bubs, sometimes they do just go better in their cot if they're used to sleeping in their cot for lunch and overnight as well. We find sometimes when they keep having the assisted one that it's just too much Too much is going on. They're looking at the pram, you know, the carrier naps aren't as successful and it's just because it's, they just want to like, oh, what's going on? They're so You're more aware. Yeah, sometimes it's better if you're finding assisted naps have worked well for you and then your bub's getting that little bit older and starting to fight it. Might just be worth trying to, if you're home, popping them in the cot and seeing if that sort of helps there as well just while you're in that transition. Yeah. When we talk about the lunch nap shortening, what we typically find is you'll have your sort of 30 minutes in the morning, your awake window, and then they'll still go down okay. But instead of sleeping sort of for two hours, they might sleep for an hour and 15 minutes and then they're awake. So that's sort of that pattern that we start to see, you know, around that, like we said, that 14-ish month mark. 13, whatever. If that was starting to happen for a couple of days, like Chrissy mentioned, you could trial widening out your awake window before nap two and seeing if that helps bring it back closer to that sort of two-ish hours. Or if that didn't work, that's when you'd start to look at, okay, do I need to trim down nap one and keep to the awake window of what it was? Yeah. And often that's all it takes, like literally just adjusting that awake window in between, just offering a little bit more awake time is enough to build up that sleep pressure and encourage that, bring that two-hour lunch nap back mm-hmm. or reduce down that morning nap slightly. And it's really going to come down to what's working for you and your family. Some are happy to push the lunch nap back slightly, but some rather reduce down the morning nap. Bit of trial and error as well, you know, just seeing yeah. what works better for you and your bub. Again, it's probably not going to look the same every day. So try to just like jump back on the next day and yeah. give it another whirl. <laughs> Find that sweet spot yeah. and look, at this age, you'll probably stick to it for a few weeks and it'll need to be changed again. So completely normal. And this is something like we deal a lot with too with our quick fix consults as well. It's just literally just troubleshooting and there's always a plan that you know can help you navigate through these transitions. And just on the lunch nap, a lot of bubs sometimes won't get to two hours and that is okay as well. Like, you know, two hours is ideal, but an hour and a half is also a great nap, an hour 40, an hour 45. They're all great naps. Especially if they are around that 14-month mark and they're having 30 minutes in the morning. So if they're having half an hour at lunch, they could have potentially been on one nap now. So they're still getting that sort of general quota that we would sort of look for. So Mm -hmm. if, yeah, it is common for that lunch nap to shorten when still having a morning nap. And I think what we want to stress as well, we do see a lot of parents get really fixated on the morning nap and it being 30 minutes and trying for an hour to get this nap in. And then all of a sudden it's 10.30 and your bub's fallen asleep. Not ideal, Um, especially when it's around that 13, 14 month mark. We really just want you to offer the nap. If your bub doesn't want to have it and it rolls around to sort of 10, 10, 15-ish, we would just cancel it, move on to nap two, start again the next day. Try not to get so stressed. And then also, you know, if they do fall asleep at 10.30, okay, we're going to give them the full 30 minutes. I would actually probably just give them 10, 15, yeah, and then move on to nap two because it's really just going to push your whole day and then bedtime's going to be a little bit messy as well. So that can be sort of where parents 
get a little bit in a slippery slope where they're really fixated on, I have to get this 30 minutes in, even if it's 10.30, 11 o'clock in the morning. So that would be a, a little tip. Just offer the nap. You know, you can only do what you can do when it rolls around to that sort of just after 10 or 10.15, just move on. Don't stress yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, if it hasn't happened by then, yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah, it's best just to push out, I think, too, because if you were to try to offer like a long nap at 10.30, they're probably not going to have a long nap and then your afternoon's probably screwed. So Yeah, for sure. At this yes. age, yeah, if they're over that sort of 14 months, it's okay to sort of push it out. And the lunch nap isn't going to be at the normal time when you're transitioning as well. When they go to one nap, if you normally have the lunch nap at one o'clock, it's going to be a lot earlier. So. Mm. Don't try and push them that far because that yeah. won't end well either. No, no. And and look, a really good way of kind of gauging where your little one is, is are they reasonably happy to stay up until at least sort of midday, you know, without needing a nap? If they're not, you're probably going to try a little bit harder to get some sort of morning nap in just to help you until they're that little bit older, try again in a week or two. But the general, you know, we really don't want the lunch nap starting much earlier than 12 because if they do wake after an hour or an hour and a half, you have a very big awake window before bedtime. Huge afternoon ahead of you. <laughs> and yeah, we, you know, we really want to protect the awake window more so before bed than before your sort of lunch nap. So yeah, it's a transition. Again, it's a tricky one, just like that third nap drop. It might even be trickier actually than the first yeah. one, but it's amazing when it does drop, opens up that uh, morning. Yeah, definitely makes things a little bit more flexible for you. Have a Especially when time. you've got toddlers as well. Yeah, getting out. <laughs> And I think too, like similar to the morning nap getting pushed out, some babies will happily still have the morning nap, happily still have the lunch nap, and that won't be impacted, but bedtime can be impacted. And you just find that that buildup of, you know, roughly two and a half hours of sleep a day sort of come bedtime there. Normally going down at, say, the four-hour mark, but now they're not. They're sort of maybe just stalling bedtime a little bit, like happily rolling around in their cot and, and it's just going on a little longer than normal. It's okay to push out bedtime slightly as well there and push that awake window out. Mm -hmm. Even just 15, 20 minutes is okay. It's always good to slowly add on some anyway if you've been at that awake window for a very long time before bed around that 14, 15-month mark. Yeah. They chuck some more on. If they start to take it a little bit longer and you're finding that they're taking longer because they're genuinely not overtired, like it is just that they're not tired enough because, yeah, being overtired, they can stall bedtime as well. But, yeah, if they're having a good lunch nap and morning nap still, then, yeah, by all means, you know, you can push bedtime out slightly. So what we might see if perhaps you have dropped the morning nap a little too early is your lunch nap won't be great for a period of time. It's always normal whilst in this transition to see the lunch nap shorten, but we do want to see it pick up again. So if that's not happening and it's, you know, that 30 to 45 minute nap, uh, that could be a sign and also your night sleep's going to start to be impacted. <laughs> yeah. And I think because it can be hard to tell the difference between over like that they're overtired because you've dropped it too soon or they're undertired because they don't need two naps anymore. It can definitely be tricky. But I think generally if you have dropped it too soon and your little one is overtired, you're probably going to see more like staggered wakes through the night as opposed to a period of wakefulness. Like you would probably see some wake-ups. You could see them anywhere from like sort of, you know, 9, 9.30 in the night. And the same with the lunch nap. Usually if you've dropped it too soon, your baby's probably going to wake and they're probably not going to be too happy from their lunch nap. 
Whereas if they've had the morning nap, but the lunch nap has started to shorten, you're probably going to find that they're just awake and they're alert mm-hmm. a little bit more than being overtired. So I personally would say that if you've dropped the nap at 11 or 12 months and you're finding that lunch nap short and you can't lengthen it and you're starting to experience either night wakes overnight, you may not experience night wakes overnight, but you may more than likely start to see earlier starts than what you were having before you dropped the nap. And look, that's not to say that you didn't drop the nap because you were having early starts anyway. So that might be an issue in itself that, you know, needs to be addressed for another reason. But as you can see, it can be tricky to pinpoint exactly what's going on. But yeah, that's something that we definitely deal with every day and we can go through like a fine tooth comb and go, "Uh uh-huh, this is why this is happening. Um, It's just a general, you know, look at your bub's age, look at how easy or how hard it is for that morning nap. Are they capable of staying up as close to 12 p.m.? It can sound a little bit strange, but we also say if they're fighting the morning nap a little bit, but they're just not at that age that we kind of consistently can do that, we would wake them a little bit earlier than, you know, if they're sleeping till seven, try and wake them up at about quarter two, 22, seven, just to give you that little bit more time in the morning. So to encourage, yeah, to encourage the nap. Yeah. So, and that would just be a temporary thing just to buy you, you know, a month or whatever until bubs can happily sleep till 7, 7.30 and then take a nap at 12, 12.30 in the afternoon. Okay. Well, I, honestly, <laughs> I think personally the trickiest transition out of all of them because they definitely show signs earlier, early because of all those developmental milestones going on. But Yeah, it's something you want to hold on to. And if you can sort of go through this today and work out exactly, pinpoint any of the contributing factors we've spoken about, it should make the transition a little bit easier. It's just something, yeah, you really need to identify. Are they overtired or are they undertired? And do we need to just have a few tweaks here or there with awake windows? And often, honestly, those awake windows can be a game changer with nap transitions. So, Hmm. And like we said, do a few days without the morning nap and then offer it to them again. You know, always just see if they want to take it. Don't get too bogged down about it. If they don't and it comes to that time, just move on. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) And if not, come and see us. (laughs) We can help you. Okay, well, that is it from us today. We hope you are feeling a little bit more reassured about the two-to-one nap transition. Well, we've terrified the living daylights out of you. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like we might have. That was a lot. That was a lot. But honestly, guys, (laughs) not as bad as it sounds. Okay. Okay, night enough. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review, or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.